Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Welcome back to another episode, you guys. Tonight's topic, we're going into our fourth episode of our Secret Space Program series. Say that ten times fast. Speak of Secret Space series. I really wanted to try. Tonight, we're... I'm not sure quite how far this episode's going to go because we have a lot of information, but I can definitely say that we're going to touch a little bit on Roswell. We're going to touch a little bit into some U.S. presidents. You know, what makes this really difficult is trying to find a timeline and getting all of our dates right, and then there's also just so many events that happened. It's a little bit all over the place, and so let's just do our best to try to get into the big things that we know about. So we should definitely mention that in 1941, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, there was a crash of a circular craft with three small humanoid occupants, possibly the very first crash that was really retrieved ever. Which is really interesting because it sounds a lot like Roswell with the three bodies. Exactly. So that's something that's definitely a little bit more swept under the rug that you don't hear about. And then that next year, we have the L.A. air raid, which surprisingly, a lot of people I talk to have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. Maybe it's the name, you think? L.A. air raid? Well, the Battle of Los Angeles, same thing. Yeah, we should know that. I mean, they made a movie with the same title, but they made it into a completely crazy situation. But you know what's funny is when I mention that to people, they only ever reference the movie. They don't think that it was a real event that happened. That's crazy. I feel like people that are really into ufology, I mean, they know, know about it. Yeah. yeah. But if I just walk up to a random person and be like, yeah, you don't remember like the Battle of L.A. where like the military went out and like shot a bunch of basically UFOs and they're like, what? No. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, like that movie. And I'm like, no, like the movie's based on that. <laughs> Maybe a lot of these little events that we mentioned first, we could go back and do prior episodes for mm-hmm. if people are interested in that. No, for sure. So now there are some leaked documents from... Roosevelt that have come out to General George Marshall and they're dated February 27th, 1942. And the president makes a statement and references to a previous crash retrieval and scientists eventually being able to study this new wonder. So it's interesting to think that maybe that references back to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. There's also a second leaked document that's dated March 5th, 1942 from General George Marshall to the president discussing a naval recovery of an unidentified airplane after the LA raid and no bearing on conventional explanation and the mysterious airplanes are in fact not earthly, probably of interplanetary origin. Sorry, that was a mouthful, guys, but that's like a quote, so I had to say all of it. It's a little bit broken up, but those are big statements. Well, he continues on, as a coincidence, I have issued orders for the Army G2 that a special intelligent unit be created to further investigate this phenomenon. So this is like our first document that we have, that there's some sort of a military investigation into quote-unquote UFOs and aliens. I think it's really interesting. The documents are quite large, or not necessarily large, but they have more detail than just that. And I totally recommend anyone go and read it because I feel like all of those words are so significant. This new wonder that science can obviously, what, study, back engineer, Mm -hmm. you name it, that there was something recovered from the air raid. And 
previously that there was another crash that they have something that they're like whoa this is crazy but we obviously can't release this right now because i mean this was like a lot of shit happening at the same time well i think what people don't understand is yeah this time period in like the 40s like the 40s in general as a decade they're like so much shit was going on that we don't realize this is really when science and technology was taking off and so there was a lot of rapid changes and things there was a lot of more new discoveries and things like that people are already getting very overwhelmed by the new discoveries that are happening so these ones that are happening out in space are almost no one noticing it's going under the radar or the government's just doing a really good job of covering it up well it's also in war and then post-war and the country was really at a low time Mm -hmm. so from a president's perspective if your country is really down and out it's not the best time to be like hey guys uh, guess what there's some aliens and they crashed and we have some of their ufos and yeah that was them that invaded the coastline so from that standpoint i understand why they wanted to investigate and they wanted to keep it hidden unfortunately i think that was the beginning and then it just got worse and worse and worse and worse with secrecy so to me this is the first document where that's implemented you feel me i I totally feel you so in 1947 kenneth arnold had his infamous ufo sighting where the name flying saucer really came about and became a prevalent phrase of what we call UFOs today. Because he said it looked like if you were to skip a saucer across the water, that's how this object moved, right? You go to the river and you try to skip the rock across Mm -hmm. the river, but imagine with the saucer. So the way that it moved and then it stuck with people, it's interesting because even the the drawings, which are, I think, well-known, it's like a boomerang type of craft. It's not a circular saucer. It's almost like a boomerang. Immediately after Kenneth Arnold's sighting was the infamous Roswell crash in New Mexico, which everyone knows about. Yeah, we shouldn't it's, have to go into too much we detail shouldn't, about it. But it's really interesting because, well, one, there wasn't just one crash. There was actually two. Yes, I know this. And another thing, it wasn't actually in Roswell in general. There were two different locations. So there was Corona. Well, in Mm -hmm. the vicinity of Corona, it was like 16 to 18 miles past Corona Mm -hmm. where it crashed in the farm. Mm -hmm. And then there was another crash out in the plains of San Augustin near Socorro. I think this whole situation is pretty murky when you try to get into the details of it. If you look at it at first glance, people just think there was a crash in Roswell, there was mm-hmm. a government cover-up, and that was really the end of the story. But yeah. there's so many different eyewitness testimonies and so many different details. Mm-hmm. Some will say there were just debris. Other people will say, no, the saucer was still intact. There were bodies. Mm-hmm. It's back and forth. Also, the time differences are different. Very much so. It could be either the 6th of July, the 7th of July. We know that there was big headlines on the 8th of July. The only reason I can see that making sense is because if there were two crashes, like it's been told... Then it happened on two different days. Right, and so if there's different witnesses... For two different crafts. They might be confused that it was the same event that happened. Yeah. Because like we've said since the inception of this podcast, (laughs) the worst kind of testimony in the entire world is eyewitness testimony. So although me and Brie like to hear people's stories and we want to hear things, we also understand from a scientific stance, there's a possibility that these people could be remembering things wrong. And not only that, but when there's more than one crash, I mean, you have two different situations happening, but also so similar. Well, and not just that, but let's just throw this sci-fi shit in there to mix it up even more. But like, 
let's say that you have full-blown aliens that are like men in black style where they have the little wands and they can like zoop you (laughs) of your memories you know what i mean so let's say they zoop you of one of your crashes but you witnessed another one and then that one triggered the memories to come back and now you have it all fucking confused and you have no idea what's happening. Oh shit, well that could definitely have happened. That's what I'm saying. There's a million different reasons for why all of these people's stories don't add up, why some people's stories are all the exact same, why people think it's this date or that date. Again, the mind is a crazy thing Mm -hmm. that we're never going to be able to understand. It is what it is and I think this is one of those things where you have to either have blind faith that it happened or it didn't. Let's start off with what the first announcement was. July 8th, 1947, there was a newspaper, the Roswell Daily Record. The headline read, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. The Roswell Army Airfield issued a press release stating, quote, The many rumors regarding the flying disc became reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Field, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of their local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Shaves County. The statement continues on, the flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently loaned by Major Jesse A. Marcel to higher headquarters. Sketch. The news article comes out. The government immediately releases a press release saying that there was some type of a crash. Yes, there was a disc and yes, we have it immediately. So it's like them confirming it. We're like, oh, oh, oh. And they're like, became a reality. Exactly. This is like after all the crazy like War of the Worlds thing was broadcasted and people went nuts about the Martians coming. Mm-hmm. And then for him to be like, it's a reality. And for them to give that much information. Is amazing. It's so amazing. And I wish that we could have that today. If they could just be so blatantly honest about it. Well, that'd be lovely, but that's not what we get. And this is where that exact next day they come out with another garbage ass press release yes (laughs) basically retracting everything that they just said like you know what you guys jk just kidding that was a joke we were just testing you to see if you guys would freak out like none of that's true let me tell you what actually happened they said that the military determined that it was recovering debris from a weather balloon wreckage So they immediately changed it. No longer is it a crash or a flying disc or some big object. All it was was remnants of a weather balloon. Now, if you guys know anything about weather balloons, it is basically, you ever seen like in movies when they have like a victim of something and they wrap them in those blankets (laughs) and they're like the metal, it's like the heat blankets. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, exactly. Which is why they had that picture. They came out with the picture. It looks like he's holding a giant piece of tin foil and he's staring at it with some sticks like, huh, this is all it was. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, they like blasted this like cute, adorable photo of the major holding some tinfoil looking trash that was supposed to be pieces of the weather balloon, which obviously looked like slapped together. Like he just kind of walked out into a desert and was like, this, this, this piece of desert over here looks good. Let's take a picture, boys. It's embarrassing to these very qualified people. 
you're telling me that a bomb group can't tell the difference between a weather balloon and an aircraft and not even just a conventional aircraft but for them to say that it was some type of like alien craft that wasn't from here that concerns me and specifically a saucer specifically saying in their press release a saucer was recovered well if anyone was to know what kind of craft it was it, it was should them. have been them mm-hmm. and for them not to recognize it and be so alarmed to think that it was out of this world is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous that they would think that people would believe that. Unfortunately, people at the time did. They really did. They immediately jumped onto it like, oh, oh, their first report was wrong. Whatever the government says, we believe. That was really kind of the end of it, I know, for a while. It wasn't until the late 70s. Where people started talking about it again. Yeah, it was like case was closed. And even now, if you were to look about it on the internet, there's still a lot of sites that are like, no, guys, it was just a weather balloon. The government already stated what it was. That wasn't the first time that they gave an explanation for this because later they came out saying that it was actually a top secret spy balloon and it was known as Project Mughal. Here's my biggest issue and my biggest red flag when it comes to Roswell, and I'll only say it once. The amount of times they come out and try to explain what it is Mm -hmm. is my red flag. If they just would have picked one thing and stuck to it, we would have been fine. But the fact that years after years after years, they have to continually keep coming back and making up some story about what it is this time is crazy to me. But it also feeds into our society of this cycle of news where things get really big. Everyone talks about it. They disappear. And then years later, after we've all settled down and it's all been figured out, it all comes back up again and people have questions. Well, also because of a lot of real ufologists that aren't like myself. Mm Mm-hmm. They're stuck in Roswell. Oh, yeah, so many. And it's interesting because, you know, I also, you know, I listen to a ton of things. And a lot of people are like, it's interesting that these millennials or whatever, they're not interested in these big things that have happened. They're not interested in the documents. They're not interested in Roswell. They're not interested in these big events that happened. We just have more and different evidence now. So we're focusing on that. I don't have your evidence from the 40s and 70s. I have evidence from the 21st century where we have different ways of going things. So something like that, knowing the past of the government, that's all fluff to me. I'm like, yeah, that's whatever. Sweep it on the rug. Give me something new. Well, I'm just saying I think that's why they came out with another statement because it wasn't until it was big and it really hit in the late 70s. And then people kept coming out with more and more information as insiders started to tell their stories, as people started to die. You know, on their deathbed, people are telling the real story. And so that's why I think the government thinks, oh, shit, uh, someone here is doing their homework, so we need to think of another story to explain this. Yeah. Then we need to think of another story to explain that. I think that's why it keeps happening. It's interesting to me that some people still buy the first story. Like, you gotta be kidding me. So anyway, after they did that, and it was just dead, it was silence for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. Then it wasn't until 1978 when physicist and ufologist, very well-known, Staten Friedman, he interviewed Major Jesse Marcel Sr. right before he died. So he was able to tell his story. So that was the intelligence officer at the Roswell base. And Mm -hmm. so he was the one that was involved in recovering the debris. weather balloon. <laughs> the, the weather balloon. When Staten talked to Jesse Marcel, he talked about the appearance of the debris. And one thing I thought was really interesting is he said it was a type of metal, but that it was as thin as the foil in a cigarette pack. Oh, so like thinner than aluminum foil. So I'm trying to think like, how the hell does that happen? And then he talks about how you couldn't dent the material 
that he tried to take a sledgehammer to it, but the sledgehammer bounced back. This type of material was literally undestructible. You could not dent it. Well, you know what's weird about that? Just slightly off topic. I, there's a lot of other encounters where people talk about, I don't know if you know of this, but Valiant Thor. Yeah. You remember talking about his spacesuit that he had that was almost that same exact material. Oh, shit. Where they're talking about how it was very, very thin, like almost like paper thin, but was like almost like chain mail. Like it, when he wore it, nothing could get through it. So it's interesting to me that you start to hear about this metal substance and then later down the years, there's more and more stories and witnesses about UFOs, particularly when UFOs and aliens and the government are all very involved with each other, that you hear about this type of material that's going on, whether it be on a craft or in an alien spacesuit. It makes me think that like that's the thing that they use for everything. Like if you were to come to Earth, what one material would you see everywhere here? plastic. You'd know us as a plastic planet, right? Because it's everywhere. So maybe these aliens, their plastic is this, you know, metal thing that they have. That's interesting. And we can do an episode about Valenthor down the road. Yeah, that's for you, Simon. (laughs) So, I'm trying to imagine this crazy material he talked about. He also confirmed that it was not a weather balloon. Mm -hmm. That it was, in fact, an aircraft. So I think it's really interesting that he has to wait till he's literally about to die, and then he's like, Trust me, guys, this was not a weather balloon. And I feel like he's been waiting his whole life to say this because if I were an intelligence officer as he was and I knew what I saw and then I have to take a picture with a piece of tinfoil and say, oh, gosh, I guess it really was a weather balloon. I was just kind of stupid at the moment. I would be pissed and embarrassed and not be able to say anything like you're making me look stupid even though you're putting me in like this crazy ass facility. Well, that's the shitty part about the government, though. When you sign up for that job, you're the face of them. You have to do what they say, whether or not you're embarrassed or don't like what's being said. You have orders to follow. Yeah, it's just nuts. And then what's really interesting as well is his son, Jesse Marcel Jr. Mm -hmm. He goes on record to also talk about the night that his dad woke him up. In the middle of the night, he grabbed his mom as well as himself. Mm -hmm. So he grabbed mom's son, shook him out of bed, and was like, I got something to tell you. Yeah, and he was like, you guys look at this material. So he grabbed a piece of the (gasps) debris. No, he didn't. So he had pieces and he was showing them. so cool. And so apparently... Does he still have them? So apparently it was like gunmetal in color, Mm -hmm. and it had purple-ish hieroglyphs on this piece. You can look it up on the internet. It's quite interesting. It's like a strip, like a bar. And then inside are these purple-ish colored hieroglyphs. Okay. And so they actually had a replica made of it. They were never able to decode what these hieroglyphs were saying. Mm -hmm. But he remembers very vividly the entire moment and his dad told him this debris is from a crashed flying saucer. Mm -hmm. He told them, remember this for the rest of your life. This is going to be the most important day. So if I grew up like, wow, my dad was there, but we have to keep this giant secret. Okay, but now he's dying. So now he's going out. Okay, so now I'm going to tell the truth for him. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what he does. And so you can look at the replica that they had made. You know, it's interesting that you kind of see a little bit of a trend when it comes to these ex-military people about coming forward with their information because you have, you know, the instance of Bob Lazar, who's a lot later in life, don't get me wrong, but he allegedly, and we have to say that allegedly because you know, we technically don't have any proof that he worked for Area 51 and he knew about all the shit that was going on there and things like that. And when he tried to come out about it, they basically destroyed his life, erased Mm -hmm. every memory of him, like he's not a part of this. 
So it sucks that if you want to keep your military career and not be like, you know, destroyed, you have to keep quiet until literally you're dying. And that sucks. It's like you have your one last breath. I feel bad that these people have to wait last minute, but I'm grateful for it because since then, I mean, I could go on lists and lists and lists of people that have come out and been like, yeah, I was the one that wrote up the paper or was at the coroner's office who talked about the autopsy that they did. So people are coming out, or they did come out, really last minute, but it's to get the truth. And I would do the exact same thing. I'd be like, fuck you guys. I kept my silence for like 98 years. years. It's my turn Mm -hmm. right before I die. Like, yes, this happened. You can't do shit to me. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, bye. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, you know, a lot of people want to throw, you know, the skeptical people out there want to say, well, all these people are waiting until their deathbed. So are they really being truthful or are they just waiting until they die so they could say some shit and die? And that's like, why? Exactly. And that's my whole thing. My why? The alternative is, is they talk sooner and then the government does what they did to Bob Lazar or they hold it in and they live their little happy life and then they spill all the beans before they go. Like, those are your only two options at that point. I don't think there's an option of keeping your mouth shut and never saying anything. I don't think. I think that it's far too big of a subject and far too meaningful to our existence as a planet to not say something about it before you die. I mean, for people to think that they just want to wait till they die to just, like, say some shit, it's like, what do they have to gain? Yeah, what are they getting from They're that? They're so old. They just well, want to die happy. not just that, but, like, let's say they leave behind three kids, right? And then now you have those three kids. Let's say maybe two of them are believers and aliens and one not, you know? So you have two of them who are, like, don't know what to do with the information, has no idea what any of the dad's stories are because he was never able to talk about them. And then you got the skeptic over here, like, oh, no, my brothers and sisters just trying to make money off of my right. dad. Like, there's so many scenarios where, like— there is. It doesn't It doesn't make logical sense to wait until right before they go. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's just nothing to gain. There's nothing there's to gain. nothing. Other than I just need to get this out before I go to heaven or whatever the fuck is out there, you know? Because I need to get this off of my conscience and you guys need to know about it. And more and more military came forward, especially, you know, a few maybe like 10, 10 years ago-ish as they're starting to get to a certain age yeah. where they're all starting to go. But now you, it's even now we have a new wave of whistleblowers coming out now. It's not people waiting until they're older Mm -hmm. now. There's so many whistleblowers who are coming out right now who are like, hey, I have information. Fuck them. Fuck if they erase me. I don't give a shit at this point. I'll live underground. Like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) fuck it. Like, let me tell you what happened. Because at the end of the day, the truth about what's going on is more important than whatever trivial shit can happen here on Earth. And Mm -hmm. those are the people who are my heroes. I completely agree. It's a bigger issue. And it's interesting that some people will say what they're breaking their national security secrecy. I'm just like, are you kidding me? What about How being about, a human being like on this Yeah, planet? what if, what if your, your human rights, like we've said a million times before, like I've said, I even said it to my grandma the other day. People don't want to talk about like, you know, the new world order and you're talking globalism and like all this kind of shit. But like we kind of should be more of a globalistic place because once we realize, once our, one of our first robots goes out into space and finds some <laughs> shit out there and brings it back to us as a scientific data that, like, yo, there's some microbes out here. We're no longer going to be thinking about ourselves as countries. We have to think about ourselves as a planet because we are a species. Whether one person is yellow, one person is brown, one person's white, one person, but doesn't matter. We all came from planet Earth, and that's the only thing that we have in common when it comes to space. That's true. It's interesting. We're like so divided, but we're really not. And then I think once the spotlight comes on us and we realize that there's all these other people and all these other things really did happen, the flying saucers aren't a joke, the aliens were here and they all know we're here, then it's like, oh shit, now we really need to face the man in the mirror. 
So, and there's a few instances of that. So it starts off with the blue marble picture. The first time we go up to the moon, we take a picture of our blue marble from space. It changes people's perspectives. They're like, holy shit, I never had any idea until you saw it themselves. And then just today, I showed Brie a picture of the first picture from 71 million miles away, a picture of Earth. And you look at it and you're so underwhelmed because it's just blackness, the sun, and a dot. And you're like, okay, it's like looking at a night sky. Exactly, bro. Someone <laughs> else looking at us, like the way that we look at the night sky and take it for granted, like, oh, yeah, it's the sky, it's some stars and shit, whatever. You would never think about looking at one of those little dots and being like, there's a civilization there. But when you have that reverse look where something is that far away looking back at our planet and we know for a fact that there's shit on there, that changes your perspective of what the fuck is going on. It should change your perspective. And if it doesn't, fuck, do some more research. And you're still in your own little bubble, unfortunately. Like, damn, they're really fucked up over there, but see them? Yeah, they're, they're there. Exactly. And so seeing that picture immediately just resonated with me, like how small and insignificant we are and how yep. fantastic that is. Like it's not a bad thing because that means that there is more out there. And looking back on this little dot in this pitch black sky and seeing nothing but it looking like just a star we would look up and see, you know, is baffling to me. And that changes my whole life view like almost immediately. It's that same thing when the original photos of that blue, the blue marble came out. It's going back to, oh my God, we are so much smaller than we think. And we're all stuck on one rock. Like for me, it puts my priorities in a way different place. And I hope that when people look at that, they would put their priorities different. And I think as a whole, as a country, if we were all just forced right now that on every channel was just a feed of that and we had to stare at it and reevaluate what we think is important or not important, we'd get a lot of shit done. We should do that. I'm sure there's some hackers around here that are down to do that. So uh, should we ask Anonymous? We definitely should. Like, wake the people up. Anonymous, can can you hack CNN, Fox News, all of them, and just play a feed of us from really far away? Please. That's like, all we really that's need. That's all we want. A lot of people don't think about it from that perspective. Just how you're fired up about that. Imagine being someone that was witnessing a craft crash onto your land and you're seeing humanoid bodies. One was most likely alive because that's like the biggest story is that mm-hmm. there's some that were alive. And you're forced to cover up the wreckage and then lie about it. Lie about it to your family, to the world. For the you rest have to of your life, your children's, 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 lip sealed, not saying shit. I mean, just think of what a different path the entire world would be on if it was open that that event happened. If there was no cover up. If we all were to face reality that there are other beings other than ourselves. Well, and let's just take the alien equation out of it altogether. Like, let's people, oh, alien scared. Think about how much more of a technologically advanced society we would be. Or the fact that from that beginning, yeah, an open. From that beginning, maybe we were, and then, but we closed it off to the public. Me and Brie always say there's a lot of technology out there that the government has that the public knows nothing about. But if they would have never covered that up, think about the things that they have covered up that wouldn't be covered up. That'd be nuts. We'd have like full blown flying cars and everything already, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking back to a lot of the insiders about the Secret Space program saying how if none of this was covered up and if we had full disclosure that we would have the ability to be interplanetary, be interstellar, already, yeah. that our jobs would be completely different mm-hmm. because we wouldn't feel locked down to doing something small here that we're stuck to. We'd have Obviously, so many more robots. We have free energy, so we don't have to worry about mm-hmm. paying for stupid shit like that. I think we would all live a lot happier lives as well. I think about all the sad people that are so depressed and they think that 
you really are alone in this world and you really do just rot in the ground and that's it and there's no one there there's no one that loves you that's it we're just stuck in a void and if people understood that no there's actually tons of other civilizations out there and we could interface with them on a regular day basis and like and you can find a passion like, somewhere else your soulmate maybe isn't on this earth maybe your soulmate's exactly. on another planet so there's there's that person who feels like lonely and alone like oh my god like i'll never find anyone i'll be a creepy cat lady the rest of my life like like that's a bad thing it's not it's not no it's not but you, people use that reference all the time yeah. I, if anything i want to be a creepy dog lady when i grow up just switch up the cats for dogs personally planet full of puppies i'm a big fan so if it's out there throwback if it's out there, please, like, abduct me and take me there. Like, I will be, like, a dog servant. That's fine. It sounds way cooler than what's going on here. There's so many possibilities, and I think people get stuck, like, well, what's the point of life, and it's just us, and we are here, and we die. And Just think about all the possibilities that are out there that we just don't know. You know, this is very nuts and bolts side, which, personally, I don't care as much about, but I think it's important to know about when you start to deal with the Secret Space Program. And when we do get more in-depth into the Secret Space Program, there's so much of the metaphysical side that connects. It definitely gets really mystic, and it gets more spiritual. That's why we do have to name these more nuts and bolts things. But if we were to zoom forward and talk about all the stuff that's happening now and all the different spiritual connections, I just think like, oh my god, everyone could be on that crazy high plane and it could just be amazing, yeah. rainbows and shit. Not saying that, oh yeah, peace and love aliens are the answer. That's not the deal. The deal is that we're not alone and I don't want anyone else to feel alone and I want people to see the bigger picture. I just want money to stop being a thing. <laughs> Personally. Everything stops being a thing when you take a step back and you yeah. look at everything. Exactly. So there's many more details that we could get into this. Long story short, there was even ranchers that talk about what happened. And basically the rancher saw the wrecked debris and didn't think anything of it till he heard news about flying saucers. So then he calls the sheriff. The sheriff comes down and is like, oh, shit, dude, I got to call the intelligence officers who then, of course, all the men in black come up in town and then they which is take again, all the wreckage out. Which is, again, why you have an issue with the dates being misconjumbled and things yes. like that. Because when he makes a statement on the Roswell Daily Record, he said, and this was on July 8th, he said he noticed it about a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So then that takes our timeline back. Even and further. he said that he noticed it, but he didn't even go back to getting the wreckage until the 4th of July. Which and is weird because then if there's live beings down there... What, were they just for weeks half dead, half alive? So maybe the crash, because, okay, that's the only thing I feel like is at the ranch, I don't hear a lot of people talking about the bodies there, but I heard people talking about the bodies in The second crash Sapporo. site. Because, yeah, that would be really fucked up. Mm -hmm. They're just, like, chilling in there. That's what I'm saying. And then, of course, you have stories of people saying that, oh, yeah, when he went back and he noticed what the hell he was looking at, because he said it was, like, bright material, bright debris, mm -hmm. that... He not he called the sheriff, but first he stashed a whole bunch of pieces like mm -hmm. into a bush, something mm -hmm. crazy like that. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it gets hauled off to all these different Air Force bases, and then the rest is history. Quick question. If he hid all of that material inside of a bush, did not bush, all of it, some of it. Did Bush do 9-11? Oh my god, <laughs> like that's <laughs> So that's the steel that could melt. The planes? in 9-11, so Bush must have done 9-11. So you're telling me that Bush traveled back in time, went to the Roswell crash, found the Bush that they hid all of this material in, 
took it back to the future, reverse engineered it, made planes out of it, and did 9-11. Oh, shit. That's a, that's also fucked up shit right there. Well, if you're going to do a 20 and back program, that's how you do it. That is definitely how you do it. So what's really funny is that I know someone said on Reddit that they wanted us to get into Project Serpo, which we don't need to, but this is where it spins off from, is basically the EB-1. EBE is Extraterrestrial Biological Entity, that the one that was a survivor, the only surviving Mm -hmm. one, is how we came in contact. It's a really crazy story, so we could talk about it in another episode, but I don't think we need to get into it right yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to have to do it on one of our little side stories. And to be 100% honest, I'm not sure if I 100% am on board with it. Mm-hmm. I've heard Linda Moulton Howe present excellent evidence and detail, and I'm like, I gotcha. But then when I hear it from other point of views, and then I'm like, ooh, that's fucking sketchy. So we could go into it, but the point is that this was a major, major event that happened that's been known worldwide. And what happens next because of this is going to be our next episode. So really quick, if this was a factor sci-fi for you. Okay. I, okay. So if this was a factor sci-fi for me, I'm going to have to fact it. Fact it? Yeah. What about you? I'm going to fact it. Okay. From a first glance, maybe sci-fi, but then when you get into it, absolutely not. There's so many whistleblowers that have told their stories where all the times and the instances and the bases line up and everyone had a little piece somewhere. And I mean, this is back in the day when you have to like actually see they didn't someone have in person internet. Yeah, you have to like to go tell the find story. things. Yeah. And it's like spreading like wildfire. So what I will say is that if the, you would have given me the story back during that time, if we both lived during that time, I oh, probably might roll my eyes at it and be like, oh, well, you're reading too many sci-fi books. Exactly. You know what I mean? As a, you know, chewing on tobacco or something. Classic women's hysteria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking vibrators and heroin. (laughs) So I don't think, but I think that now that I'm older and we have a lot more information and a lot of documents were released and things like that, instead of just hearing their first shitty excuse and now down the line, you know, decades later, still hearing their shit excuses and they still use shit like that to this day makes me be like, okay, now I think it's real. Yeah. So I think in today's day and age, absolutely, it's a fact. At this point in time, it It absolutely happened. And I think it's a great place to reflect on in our present day secret space program. It sounds super out there. But then when you go way back to the fact that there was possibly a crash in 1941 where we first mentioned in this episode and that there were documents that talk about it. And then you have Roswell. And we're going to get into more documents that do discuss Roswell. To me, it's like, damn, we were most likely back engineering extraterrestrial craft at the beginning of 1941. Mm -hmm. And look at our present time frame. Think of how far this has gone and what we've developed since then. Not just that, but okay, let's say, let's just say Elon Musk. Let's say that he had zero access to any of these UFOs. He just has a shit ton of money. How many years did it take him to build the goddamn rocket? Exactly. So if we had that technology and we were able to look at it and study it, and as America is, we like the best and the brightest. We want to find the best engineers and the best scientists. So you best believe we found the best of the best to go and look at all of that shit. There's no way we didn't back engineer it. That's just not possible and so unlike America. Especially the fact that you think about all of the tax dollars that's taken out into the military industrial complex. I mean, yeah, you could say it's for a shit ton of helicopters, but it goes deeper than that, my friend. So much deeper than that, guys. And I just think it's interesting to look back at and think, holy shit, since 1941? Listen, the government came out last year and said, quote, we have been using 
black money to research UFOs. That's true. Okay. What that entails researching could mean a million different things. So who's not to say that they're not using black money to back engineer UFOs to get people to goddamn outer space? Very true. We have no idea with any of that. So we're going to stop with Roswell. We're going to continue on next week with Majestic 12. Really interesting timing, too. Sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say it, too. It's very (laughs) interesting timing because I was literally going to mention this. Project Blue Book. Yeah. So Project Blue Book came out on the History Channel a few days ago or, you know, a week ago for you guys who are listening now. And I just want to start off by saying fantastic. First episode, so fucking good. I'm hooked. I'm ready for the next one. Don't know if I'm going to like it four episodes in. Me and Brie were talking about it. I know. We're like, uh. But as of right now, very fantastic. And one of the very first things, the very opening scene is very Majestic 12-like. It's a big round table. It's all the generals in there. And they're talking about UFO shit and how to cover it up. Ooh. And they even talk about the guy puts his fist down. He's like, God damn it, Ben. Like, Truman didn't create this group so the shit could get out there. He created it. He created it so we could keep it a secret. And I like immediately was like, oh, my God, timing and the synchronicities and how life works is like just fantastic to me. And that's why I think it's going to be so great to get into, especially since when we mentioned that document first of FDR and with Marshall saying, you know, that he's going to start a special intelligence unit to get into this phenomena. I think that was the beginning maybe of Project Sign. So that's another thing we can get into, how there was Project Sign, then there was Project Grudge, and then there was Project Blue Book. So one thing I found really interesting about this first episode of Project Blue Book is it doesn't start off with this right now as Project Blue Book. Mm -mm. The timeline's really confused. Mm -hmm. He does mention, like you said, Truman didn't put this group together so the shit could get out there, right? Mm -hmm. And it says it's at the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. It backs up. And I had to pause and I took a picture because I was shitting bricks. This is a picture of the top of the table. Mm-hmm. Tell me if you can count how many chairs are sitting at this round table. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's twelve chairs at this table. Which means? Majestic twelve. <laughs> so anyway, we'll get into that, but I like, if you asked Josh, I was like, oh my god! I like pause, I rewound, and I counted the chairs. So I'm like, this is MJ12. So yeah. then I counted the so, chairs, and there's 12 chairs What I will say, in the I was listening, so I had started it on my laptop, I was watching it on YouTube, because uh, I didn't watch it right when it came out. And I was watching it, and I was trying to finish something, and I was hearing it in the background, and I heard this line where he goes, Truman didn't create this group for this to get mm-hmm. out, and I stopped rewound, start over, and I was like, Majestic 12? Yeah. Immediately when I heard Truman didn't make this group, I immediately was like, oh my god, Majestic 12, and the synchronicities were like going off, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, this and is And he so also re- refers to someone as um, Secretary, and mm-hmm. then I was thinking like, oh my god, Secretary of Defense James Forrestal, James the Forrest, very mm-hmm. first Secretary, matches the time frame, who was also maybe a Majestic 12 member. We can't get into this right now. This no. has to be its own episode. So let's stop there. That just means we're super excited. The time frame is crazy. The details are crazy. You guys are in for an epic ride. It's been a long time. We took a break. We were trying to get our thoughts straight. It didn't really end up that way. There's still just too much information. It's too hard to sift through. The problem with all of this is is that the secret space program is a much larger subject than we could have ever imagined. And the problem is is it would have been a lot easier for us if we would have done episodes like a Roswell episode or a Truman (laughs) episode or whatever episode. But we decided as a whole we just wanted to do the secret space program and we're kind of figuring it out as we go. And we're going to get a little off of our timeline and have to go back and step forward. But we're trying to give you guys as much information as we can on it, always with 
the preface that you guys go and look into this yourself because it's not just about us telling you. Because when it comes to this field and this kind of work, there's not really any solid yes or no scientific answers at the end of the day. I can only tell you the things that we researched and the avenues that we researched. I have no idea what dark, deep web shit y'all can get into or some servers that you can hack to find some shit, which we don't have access to. So <laughs> we want you to go and we want you to dig and we want you to break into people's, you know, government websites and find out all this information and share it with us. Hey, Carl's going to hack the computer right now and this is brand new. So retract that statement. You know what's funny is I hadn't talked about Carl in a long time today and then today... Somebody I was talking to on Instagram was like, hi, my name's Carl. And I was like, I know someone named Carl. And you're like, back up, bro. And I was like, skirt, what do you know about the FBI? And then when I said FBI, they stopped talking to me. And I said, either A, <laughs> it was actually Carl, or B, I just scared the living shit out of somebody. Most likely. Yeah. All right, Brie, let's get into our shout outs for the episode. We'll start at our skeptic level. We have Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. Then we have the Truth Seekers. Shayna, Jamie's mom. Hey, mom. We have Destiny. Destiny. Love you, Destiny. Destiny, you're not alone, and we love you, and you know that you can message us whenever you need to. Please do. And we are just, we love you, and you're a bright, wonderful, shining star in our lives. We're going to go to our first made-up category, which is going to be a skeptical truth seeker, and we have Adam from the Not For Everyone podcast. Sup, Then we have our middle bitches, Raya. Hey, Raya, love you. We She's also, the bomb. Absolutely. We also have Scotty at Scotty Doodle. And we also have Bobby from Not For Everyone podcast. So I'm going to take a little Bobby. You have to come to Contact in the Desert because if you don't come, then I'm the only person that doesn't have a Bobby. <laughs> and that's really upsetting to me because I'm going to be the only Bobby-less person there. And that's kind of shitty. Also, David Childress will be there. And I can guarantee you that I can get you one-on-one -on -one time with David Childress. Wow. I can guarantee it. That I can get you two sitting down at a table having a beer together. I feel like I can. That's ballsy of you. That is ballsy. But you know what? Sometimes you have to put shit out into the universe. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. So, like, maybe it won't happen. But, like, if you come, I'll make it happen. That's a good one. hey -o. Take that opportunity to also tell Cody that he better get his shit together to go, too. Oh, yeah. Cody, by the way, figure out your shit and come to contact I with us. I think that Bobby bought his ticket. I'm not sure. But Bobby did buy his to ticket. Him, yeah, he did. So. Yeah. Anyways, Cody best be going. And Cody will have a Bobby, so you better have I a have Bobby. I have a Bobby, exactly. So, again, Bobby, everybody go listen to his podcast. It's called Not For Everyone Podcast. It's actually really good. It's not really for everyone, but, like, you know, if you're into it, you're into it. I think Destiny would really appreciate it. I think it. Destiny so would really like it. I think like Destiny it. needs to get over there and Destiny, go listen to it. We have our second made-up category, which is going to be a skeptical middle bitch. We have AP. AP, we love you. We love you. Um, reschedule with us soon about interview. I know you had some shit come up, so you didn't interview. So hit us up so we can get that going. Speaking of interviews, we're going to have Steve Morello on here pretty soon. Ooh, we're super excited yes, about. You guys go look up Steve Morello. He runs UPARS, which is the West Coast version of, I, I don't know the acronym. It's like... Just think of MUFON but cooler, and it it's, also has exactly. like cryptoids and stuff. Yeah, there you go. It's like, like it's like MUFON but like also with Bigfoot and shit, but like better. Exactly. So we have our last category, which is the anything is possible. And Matt, we love you. Love you, Matt. So thank you guys all so much for tuning in and listening. We're sorry we had a little bit of a break. Please spam us on our emails and our DMs. Shoot us at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Follow us on all our social medias, Twitters, Facebook, you know, all that, all the shits that's out there. And also, Happy New Year. Happy we New forgot Year. to say Happy New Year. It's going to be an awesome Merry year. Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy ha Hanukkah. Happy Christmas Hanukkah. Oh, I like that. 
as always, you guys, just like before I go, I want to say, fuck Mountain View, California. Shove a dick up your ass. Even though they're like our number one listeners. They are our number one listeners. I was thinking like, why does she still say that? They're our number one (laughs) listeners. Because they still to this day refuse to come forward. Not one listener. It's our biggest listener base, and not one of them has come forward and said who they are. I feel like Ryan and I had this conversation when she visited us and we were driving, and she's like, why does she say fuck you, Mountain View, California? And I was like, you know what? It's because they listen to us, but they don't tell us. And then I was still like, I've been thinking about it since then. Like, why does she still do that? Because they still have not come forward and said anything. And at this oh. point, like, I've gone on for 50-something episodes. I can't just stop it. She can't just stop. Yeah. And well, maybe also- someone should purposely then break it and be like, okay, it's me. I'm from Mountain View. It's us. But then you have to prove it. Like, I want a picture, like, of, like, you in Mountain View or something to prove to me that you are the ma- – listen, I will stop telling Mountain View, California to fuck off. If A, someone from Mountain View brings me Alexander's chocolates, specifically the the s'mores, the s'mores truffles, okay? Or you tell me who you are and that you work at NASA. Ooh, or take a picture at least with like NASA's in the background. Or like maybe you're taking a tour of like Moffett Field. Yeah, like give me like a super secret NASA photo of like you, like, you know, maybe in the front of the sign or something. NASA napkin. Ooh, do you think they have NASA like cocktail glasses? I don't know. We should go there. Here's the deal. I'm gonna, me and Bree, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a Saturday off one Saturday. I'm just gonna call in sick, like, <clears throat> I'm sick. And then we're gonna go do the NASA tour in Mountain View. And we're just gonna walk around and we're gonna wear, like, at that one time I was abducted shirts and see who makes eyes at us. No, I'm gonna wear, like, one of those shirts that says, like, never a straight answer. answer. <laughs> Which is one of the Reddit boards that we host on Reddit. So if anyone wants to go bash on NASA with us, I do host a board called Never a Straight Answer that's about nothing but shitting on NASA about how they lie to us all the time. Woo! Okay, this has gone on Rock forever. We love you all. We love you guys. Good, Good night. night.